to the Broplis podcast. As usual, I am joined with Nathan, and on today's episode, of course, we will be talking about the defeat yesterday to the high-flying tractor boys, Ipswich Town. They're on a roll, they come at the riverside, and unfortunately, they did come out on top. Nathan, before we, we jump straight into the action, um, how's your week been? Of course, no football again, I'm guessing, due to this continuation of snow slash sleet slash a load of rain and just downright freezingness. Um yeah, how's your week been? Yeah, not so bad. Uh football, as you said, cancelled in clement weather. Uh today would have been the last weekend before Christmas and the Christmas break anyway. So yeah, uh the runs have been postponed pretty much throughout all of December so far. And uh, yeah, Christmas break off, um, recover from injuries. I wish Borough could have a month off as well to recover, but yeah, that isn't the case. The uh, the big games come thick and fast, and yeah, it's it's difficult when you only have thirteen senior players available to pick from. Yeah, it's it's very difficult, and with with the uh, big sides coming to town who were on fantastic runs of form it makes it even more difficult yeah of course like we have done for what feels like a month now the first sort of topic of discussion will have to be I guess the stage or the the current injury list going into yesterday's game of course there was no update in the press conference as usual Michael Carrick was very coy about any updates and any players being close to being back but thankfully we did have Dale Fry back yesterday um of course Paddy McNair who come off against Leeds also missed yesterday's game still no updates on Hayden Hackney still no real time frame on Marcus Force Riley McGree Of course, we've got the long-term absences as well. And then we already knew of the suspensions. But as I say, any silver lining um, is a real bonus at the moment. And obviously having Dale Fry back for selection yesterday was, well, quite a big one when you consider that Johnny Housen was probably going to have to fill in the back four. Um, Yeah, a boost yesterday, I guess. But all in all, sort of looking at yesterday's performance, despite Fry being back, I think if it hadn't up until now, the last two games are are definitely starting to show that this depleted Middlesbrough side are are struggling a little bit without some of their key players. Yeah, um, you're sort of just trying to fit attacking players into different positions, obviously with Jones being suspended, Greenwood being back uh, and fit fit for selection after not being able to play last week at Leeds. Uh, you have Greenwood shoehorned in off the right yesterday. Hasn't played there at all for, for Borough so far. Uh, so, yeah, Greenwood in off the right. Rogers in off the left. Don't don't know why for the life of me you wouldn't switch that round and have Greenwood who's been good off the left and Rogers off the right who drifts inside baffles me but there you go um and then obviously the change at left back as well Bangura out and Engelin yesterday so yeah three changes from last week but overall looking at the side I was 
sort of optimistic going into the game. Obviously, having Fry back was a massive boost. It meant that Housen was in midfield, which was massive for us. You don't have to reshuffle too much there. Obviously, Rav will have to go and fill in at right back, but he's done that most of the season. But yeah, looking at the side, I was relatively optimistic, thought that we could sort of take the game to switch a little bit, um, go toe-to-toe with them. Like we did at Leeds last week, really, for the most part, before going down to 10 men, um, sort of create a really good game. Said last week in the preview for Ipswich that I thought it would be a really good game, two really good sides going toe-to-toe, but it was anything but, really. It was a game that was flat for the most part. Borough were below par. Ipswich didn't really have to get out of second gear yesterday. They'll be very pleased with that ahead of a three-game week that they started bringing players off after 60 minutes because the game was already wrapped up and won. So, yeah, really, really disappointed yesterday. Yeah, as you say, a really disappointing game. And not only just because of the result, but also if you're a general football fan or a neutral, you know. I think, as you said again last week in the preview, you were expecting two young managers' teams to go up against each other who have scored a lot of goals over a large period of time now. Um, You were expecting, you know, some free-flowing football, something similar to what we saw in the, the opening stages of last week's game. As you say, lots of goals, lots of chances, lots of fast movement and, and fast football and good football to watch on the eye. And actually, I would say up until Ipswich took the lead, actually, even after Ipswich had taken the lead, I don't think the game changed. I don't think it gave Ipswich a, a real sort of boost of confidence and they clicked into gear. But again, I don't think we clicked into gear the full game, really. And as you say, it meant that Ipswich, who I must say, if I if I make comments throughout this podcast, it's it's no sour grapes because the results speak for themselves. You could see yesterday, even though... And I, it would be interesting to hear Ipswich's fans' thoughts on this if you are listening now. Uh, potentially just head to the comments and, and let us know how you felt that you performed yesterday. But I watched Ipswich and I, I don't know if my expectations were too high yesterday, but I definitely didn't sort of look at that team. And, you know, if I hadn't have seen the league position, I wouldn't have sort of thought, oh, wow, you know, they play some amazing stuff. They, they looked well drilled. They kept the ball off the ball. They were very good, I thought. But in terms of on the ball, I know uh, Ipswich fan had commented on the podcast last week and said that, you know, we we might be a little bit more open away from home, but we also create an awful lot of chances. Well, that wasn't really the case yesterday, to be honest. Um, and like you say, it's not that I'm trying to downplay Ipswich's achievements this season because, as I say, results speak for themselves. The goals that they score, the score lines that they consistently get, they've been excellent this season. And I saw elements in their performance of why that might have been but not really a standout performance where I sat back and thought, yeah, do you know what? That's exactly why they are where they are. If I compare them to, say, Burnley last season, um, I know, obviously, different circumstances and Burnley did spend a lot of money. But even though we ran Burnley closer than what we did Ipswich yesterday, albeit a different team and different personnel, etc., 
I, I looked back and I thought, yeah, you can see the obvious, obvious quality in Burnley's players and the way of play. So, yeah, it, it took me by surprise a little bit the way that the game panned out. Of course, as we say, first off, not a great watch on the eye, really, and that continued in the second half. And I think I, I heard some people say that Ipswich were efficient yesterday. I, I think you could argue that definitely, but... I mean, let's just talk about the first goal, the opener of the game. Once they'd taken the lead, when you sort of have that feeling in the stadium where you think, I'm not sure we're going to get back into this. It might only take one goal. And it did feel like that a little bit yesterday where Chaplin's shot is unfortunately deflected in from Matt Clark's header. And then you always felt that it was going to be the climbing of a mountain again. Um, not so much by uh, an amount of goals, but more so just the fact that Ipswich looked resolute, um, if anything else, yesterday in the, in the first half. Yeah, they did. Um, it was the first half where both sides cancelled each other out for the most part, really. We didn't create a whole lot before they scored the goal, and they didn't create a whole lot up until that goal either. Um it was a stalemate for the most part. Um, but then, yeah, Burns down the right-hand side, crosses the ball in, comes off Housen. And, uh, yeah, Chaplin hits a little bit of a snapshot and it probably wouldn't have troubled Dieng too much, but it's deflected off Clark's head. It's in the corner. And, yeah, um you're sort of hoping for a little bit of a reaction. There was uh one chance, probably in the in the full game, really, for Borough. Uh the best chance. Um Latte Lath gets played in by Barlasa. Um drives at the Ipswich defence, comes inside on his right foot, and I really did think it was uh not an easy chance, but Certainly wasn't too difficult to get on target, and he bent it wide of the post. Yeah, from from then on, we we struggled to create really in in the second half as well. It was a game where both sides really struggled to create a whole load of chances. Um, yeah, they they carved us open in in the second half. Uh, on on one occasion, where Hurst pulls. Clark out of position, creates a little bit of space in behind, and uh, yeah, Engel plays Hutchinson on side. Who, yeah, in fairness, has the calmness to compose himself after just coming onto the pitch, and uh, sticks it in at the near post. Uh, possible questions about Dieng's positioning for this one. I think he leaves that near post wide open for Hutchinson to just slide it in, but. Yeah, really a game where that was the one big chance in the game. The second goal, uh, Chaplin's was more of a half chance. But yeah, look, when you're a side that is um, bang at it, full of confidence, your intensity throughout the game is top notch, then you uh, you get the look that you deserve a little bit and you, you, you come out on the, on the end 
of a game that was quite a tight game for the most part, but yeah, fine margins and an Ipswich were well-deserved winners yesterday for just being resolute. And the, the main thing that I mentioned in there was, was intensity and that's, that's what they had that we didn't um, looking to press our backline in numbers constantly pressing us high up the pitch with Hurst, Chaplin, Taylor as well, joining, um, and then the wingers, Broadhead and, and Burns as well. It was almost like a, a front five pressing us high up the pitch at times. Marcy in there, the midfield destroyer. In the nicest way possible, uh, Sam Marcy, he'll probably, he'll probably say the same as well. Not the not the greatest footballer, but in terms of his his effort and his intensity, and his determination to go and impact the other players uh, for the opposition, it makes him look a, a top top player at this level. He was one of the best players on the pitch yesterday, breaking up play, just constantly involved, kept things ticking. Yeah, it, it goes to show, doesn't it? Like he. Uh, he really stood out against our midfield yesterday. We lacked any intensity between between the pair of them, really. Um, yeah, just really, really deflating yesterday because I thought that it, it would have been a really good game. But yeah, Borough failed to turn up. Yeah, I think that ultimately is it, really. And look, I, I don't sort of, as much as it is deflating and it's, it's annoying, it's one of them where you just come away and you think we... You're almost annoyed that we didn't give a better account of ourselves because you look at the Leicester game and, okay, yes, the injury problems weren't as bad back then. Um, it's all sort of worsened in such a short spe- uh, space of time. And even, you say, just before, the, the second goal comes from a substitute from Hutchinson, um, who, yes, okay, is a certain level of quality, of course, uh, on loan. From Chelsea and a lot of championship clubs probably would have snapped your hand off for him. But you look at our bench compared to even theirs and look, I don't look at Ipswich's bench and think, oh, wow, they've got some real sort of players that you can bring on and affect games. But when you look at our bench, through no fault of the sort of recruitment or squad building, just a real unfortunate spell of injuries you kind of thought, well, even if we do go one down, there's not really anything on the bench that is going to come off and and really impact the game. And obviously, Josh Corbin, a new substitute yesterday. Look, I, I think that a, a few people have, have mentioned a, a hernia problem, which to me, it, I don't know if that is the case, but to me, it would make sense because it does seem extraordinarily strange that having been so used and started so many games in our turnaround this season, of course, getting a couple of goals at Plymouth, playing in a game against Leicester where he occupied Leicester's defence very well as a lone striker. Then he's just found his way out of the team. It, it does seem a little bit strange, the fact that that would just happen through with him not being injured or having a slight knock at all. It just doesn't really add up for me. So I think that probably is the case, even though I'm just sort of, that's me not guessing, but a little bit of hearsay. But yeah, as I say, you can only sort of make excuses so much with injuries for a certain amount of time, but also 
you can't disregard them, regardless of how angry and upset a performance like yesterday makes you. Um, and it wasn't a good performance from the eleven that were that were put out there. And like you say, you know, we didn't have sort of our strongest eleven out there by any stretch, but it was still a team that you thought could have enough. You probably didn't feel as confident had we have had the likes of Riley McGree, Marcus Force, all of them, but we're not going to go into that again. But it wasn't by any stretch a sort of as makeshift as what we probably thought it might be. At least we had Fry back and that meant that Housen could play in his natural position. But as you say, I think a, a lot of the problems yesterday comes from or, or is down to intensity and Often in a football team, you want your intensity to come from the midfield. And I thought we we just missed that so much yesterday. Um, the absence of Hayden Hackney is, is growing a bigger problem each week, really, for Middlesbrough. Um, someone that is just willing to keep the ball ticking, keep it moving, keep up the intensity, wants the ball all of the time. And wants the ball, most importantly, in positions where you can affect the game or play triangles, or move us up the pitch. And look, I'm not, this is in no way, and I, I want to sort of get it in early, because I know that there's a big discussion around the player I'm about to mention on all kinds of social media, and I'm not one of those that's got a complete agenda, but I feel that when Dan Barlassa especially is in our team, that intensity level sort of drops a little bit. And it's sort of all right when Hackney plays alongside him. But in terms of just, as I say, picking up positions and keeping things ticking around the pitch in positions where we can hurt the opposition or move the team up the pitch, Dan Balassa doesn't really bring that. He plays as sort of a, a deep-lying playmaker. But when you're as deep or potentially even deeper than the two centre-halves, unless you're some sort of legendary quarterback-esque long passer of the ball, you aren't really going to affect the game from them sorts of positions. No, you're not, especially when you're playing up against the side with two workhorses in central midfield who want to get amongst you and just completely overran us in midfield yesterday. Um, pretty much just Marcy by himself did. Yeah, like that. Um yeah, moments in, in yesterday's game where Barlasser was our deepest midfielder, Ipswich would break on a transition and the move would break down and Barlasser would be our furthest midfielder forward. Completely just don't understand what I'm watching for the most part. The intensity that we've been mentioning throughout this podcast yesterday was so, so poor. But look, I don't want to go into full meltdown, but yeah, Barlassa just at times tries to play a little bit where it's easy, picking it off the centre-halves, and then he'll knock it to Engel, get the ball back, pass it sideways, Okay, at times he does try and play through the lines and for the most part it doesn't come off um, because teams are just usually aware of what's going on 
uh, ahead of them and, and being able to track runners. Maybe that's a problem with the forward lines movement. I'm, I'm really not sure. But yeah, yesterday, in terms of sitting in there and, and, and trying to break up play and stick your foot in, there's there's no point in Barlasser because he, he just doesn't do that. He's a luxury player in there. Um, when you're sort of owning a lot of the possession in the game, he's he's probably fantastic. Um, just being able to keep the ball and, and, and play on the edge of the opposition box, he's probably really good at that. But yeah, it's it's becoming quite hard. To, to watch him play against the top sides in the division um, in Leeds and Ipswich where the midfield want to get amongst you and they want to press you. And yeah, it's it's just really, really frustrating to see the lack of energy in there from, from the midfield. Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree with you, Nathan. And look, I, I think anyone that's listened to this podcast for long enough now knows that we aren't the type to hone in on one player and force an agenda. We're really not, because at the end of the day, we want Middlesbrough to win. If Middlesbrough players are playing better, then we're winning, most likely. So that's a good thing. It always is. Um, but yeah, I, I do think, look, you've got to look at certain aspects. And again, it's down to injuries, but, you know, this isn't a player that we've chucked in from the academy or we picked up on a free. We, we, if I'm right in saying it, it may be one of Carrick's biggest signings in terms of a fee that was being reported. Of course, you know, that's partially the recruitment team as well, but this isn't a player that come in with sort of low expectations to build on. It was more of a I think a lot of people labelled him as the Johnny Housen replacement and at the moment that looks a, a long way away, in all honesty. Um, but yes, disappointing. I think special mention probably deserved for Matt Clark. I know at times yesterday he did look a little bit rusty. Uh, a few times you could tell that he hasn't played football in 14 months, but as I've just said, 14 months out, that's going to happen. But I think overall, a lot the large part of his defending was all right. Um, it's, of course, going to take time for him to adapt to the new way in which Middlesbrough play as well. Um, I, I did actually really laugh yesterday when in the second half, I think he forgot that uh, Michael Carrick was the manager and thought that Chris Wilder was back in charge because Engel got the ball out left and he tries this sort of overlapping Sheffield United promotion season-esque uh, overlapping centre-back run all the way around him and then just doesn't get the ball um, and sort of looks around as if to say, well, is this not what we do here? But uh, yeah, that was quite funny. But yeah, as you say, all credit to Ipswich. They probably didn't really get out of second gear. It'd be interesting to see if Leeds do really put some consistency together if they can really sort of catch Ipswich and apply a little bit of pressure because there will be, although Ipswich have been fantastic this season, there's probably going to be a stage in the season, whether it be in a, over the Christmas at Christmas period or whether it be over the running, that they probably will have a little bump in the road. And yes, it's a big points gap, but Leeds have probably got the quality in Southampton as well, who have on a phenomenal run at the moment as well. Um to really apply a little bit of pressure. But yeah, look, 
again, it's not sour grapes at all. It's just, I think that that pack of four, Leicester, Ipswich, Leeds and Southampton are kind of just away. <laughs> we're almost playing in a mini league now where we're trying to get into those two uh, playoff places. And yeah, West Brom, although they got beat yesterday, I thought they might have sort of even secured that fifth spot. But yeah, we're. Uh, I think you mentioned last week that we're limping over the line to try and get into January, and that's exactly what we are. But there's still an awful lot of football to play up until January. And the festive period, although we love it because of the amount of games, well, usually do when we've got a fully fit and firing squad, um, is thrown up more games in the, the upcoming week, Nathan. Of course, Hull City visit the Riverside on Wednesday, and then we have the long old trip to Swansea on Saturday. We'll talk about Hull first, of course. I think the biggest bonus and it's never nice to say that going into a game and referring to another team's injured players. But, you know, we've suffered with it enough this season. So to see that Jaden Philogene looks like he's probably going to miss Wednesday's game, having seen the form that he's been in this season, is a major boost because a low hole again are an interesting side under Liam Rossini. He's been the real standout so far for them. Yeah, he's been uh, phenomenal for them, uh, really. Yeah, they've they've had an absolute blinder getting in from Aston Villa. I'd seen Villa fans even yesterday after they just beat Arsenal and beat Man City and Arsenal in a, in a week, saying that they should have Philogene in the squad over Zaniolo. So just goes to show the quality that he has. But yeah, um, Hull. Pretty good side for the most part. Struggling at the minute with a, a little bit of the form that they've had. Quite similar to us, actually, um, in the way that last Tuesday they won 4-1 against Rotherham. We won 4-0 against Preston. And since then, both of us have lost our last two. But yeah, it'll be a, a difficult game. We saw in the first half particularly last season uh, when we played Hull at the Riverside that they're a pretty good side under Liam Rossini. He's got them well drilled, uh, trying to play a certain way now um, out from the back, dominating the ball. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how both sides line up against each other, obviously. The, them without Philogene, us, we have Jones back now. Dyke Steel back, which is an added bonus. At least you have, even if you don't start either of those two, you have two options from the bench that you didn't have yesterday. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. In all honesty, I think that Matt Clark should probably be dropped to the bench uh, for this one, thrown in massively at the deep end in the last two games. And I'd shuffle. Rav back in the centre half and play Dyke Steele at right back. Uh, as much as I said last week that he's uh, a liability at times and gets himself into trouble with rash, rash decisions that he makes, him and Jones down that side do give us a little bit of cohesion, I suppose, down the right, which is Along really. With as well. He often yeah. those two yeah. players. 
So, yeah, really important to have that. So I'd have them both back in, if I'm honest, um, especially because we're in a difficult period, rest and recuperation. And then, yeah, moving on to a, a trip to South Wales, a ground that, again, is notoriously a crap place for Borough fans to travel to, apart from last season, uh, when we just decided that hoodoo grounds weren't for us. But, yeah, interesting again. I think you messaged me the other night, Tuesday or Wednesday, saying that they'd sacked Duff and that in the last few games since the international break, it's been Bristol City, new manager bounce. Preston were okay-ish until they came to the Riverside and that was a bit of a shocker. Leeds and Ipswich, Hull, who have been on a relatively good run of form until the last two. And you, you sort of looked at that and thought that's going to be a difficult one. And then you think, oh, Swansea, finally a mid-table side where hopefully things calm down. And then uh, they've still got another week, but it looks like it'll be their manager's first home game in charge. Just how's your luck, seriously? Um, and not only that, but they've just signed Yannick Balassi as well, who... He's yet, he's yet to uh, open his account for Swansea. So, yeah, written in the stars. But, yeah, another difficult test. Sort of weird to gauge how Swansea going to play, really. Um, I then just say there could be a new manager. So, it's almost... We can talk about individuals, but in terms of play style, it's, it's a difficult one because they could be... Well, they most likely will be a new manager in charge. So... Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird one because you you usually associate possession football with Swansea. Um, that's been the way for pretty much as long as I've been watching Swansea in the Championship and in the Premier League as well. But a point in Duff at the start of the year I thought was a really weird one, uh, a little bit different to the usual appointments at Swansea, and yeah. The football wasn't very pleasing uh, on the eye for Swansea, a little bit more pragmatic than usual. And, uh, yeah, the fans weren't necessarily happy with that. They won yesterday away at Rotherham, also manager managerless, also haven't appointed a manager in there yet to come this month for Borough as well. So, look, it's, it's going to be a really difficult month still. And we've got the two most difficult games out the way. Uh, of the month, which does give me a little bit of hope, really. That I'm glad I, you've done because it hasn't sounded like it throughout this podcast. No, it yesterday really, really deflated me. Um, but just trying to think positively, Dale Fry back in the side is a positive. Two players that were suspended for yesterday back in the side for Wednesday night is another two positives slowly but surely getting a few bodies back into this side which is going to be massive with not only the league games to come but we've got a league cup quarter final coming in the next nine days so yeah look it's been difficult uh over the last sort of well since full time yesterday to digest what i watched yesterday because it was truly, truly drab from from first to 90 minutes, really. Um, just goes to show to have absolutely zero expectation 
when going to watch your side. Um, because yesterday I was I was let down massively, really. Yeah. Just, yeah. just by the the sort of application of the performance, it was it was really really poor. But yeah, positives to come with with injured players back. Hull last year, I'm I'm hoping for another performance like that second half against them last year, where we just blew them away in well, 15 minutes of the second half. Hopefully it's similar to Preston. We wipe the floor with them in the first half and just get a sit through 45 minutes of nothingness for the second. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Just a, uh, Although yesterday, for all the wrong reasons, was filled with quite a lot of nothingness from Middlesbrough, a second half full of nothingness, whilst also being three or four up, would be phenomenal on Wednesday night. So uh, we await that another busy week. I mean, we're still really at the start of the busiest period of all in EFL football. And as much as results like yesterday uh, do deflate you a little bit, it's still really exciting waking up, not really knowing what day is over the festive period, but knowing that there's football on. So uh yeah, there's that to be excited about, isn't there? Yeah, and also just just weirdly, um obviously Borough were horrendously below par yesterday and yet still find ourselves three points outside the playoffs, which just goes to show really how fortunate we are that a lot of the teams in and around us are as inconsistent as we are. And do you wanna know what I think had we been up to full complement yesterday and against Leeds as well. We'd we'd have probably picked up a, a couple of points from from those games, really. Um but yeah, we'll have to make do. Uh sitting in twelfth twelfth place, Hull to come to the Riverside on Wednesday night, and a win would send us nearly into the playoff picture again, just outside right. those playoffs. Getting ahead of yourself. I enjoy the optimism, the late surge <laughs> in this podcast, but we'll, uh, let's just hope that we've got enough players to fill the bench on Wednesday. That would be a, a major win at the moment. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Uh, a slightly shorter podcast, but given the result, given the, the one-game week uh, that we, we didn't have last week, Obviously, a little bit shorter and because of that. But yeah, lots to come. And yes, as always, housekeeping. If you have watched on YouTube, please do like and subscribe. If you've watched on audio platforms, please do like the podcast and give us a five-star rating. And as always, thank you ever so much from me and Nathan for watching and listening. And that has been another episode of the Broplis podcast. Oh, 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 oh.